3: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpole, and I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine. And I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. As a reminder, you can subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or Spotify of course, you can download the latest episodes at webmasterradio.fm. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Web3 and WordPress. Uh, we're going to be talking about preparing for the future of digital. And joining us for that conversation is Pragmatics, uh, David Lockie. David, welcome to the show.
4: Hey, David. Thanks for having me.
3: Awesome. Glad to have you here. I know you're... Um, out and about quite often in the WordPress community doing all kinds of things, Um, doing a lot of work of course with Pragmatic and and just in the community itself, but today we're gonna be talking specifically about uh, Web3 technologies. And um, some of these things are here, some of them are on the horizon, some of them are in WordPress, some of them aren't, but these are technologies like AR, uh, artificial intelligence, bots, uh, being enabled by things like 5G, edge computing, blockchain, all these things um, kind of the next wave of technologies that brands and companies will take advantage of to um, reach their customers And want we'll to talk that about that today in the context of WordPress and beyond So David kick things off. Um, why don't you tell us what is your WordPress origin story? What was the first time you used WordPress?
4: I was Working, I'm um, embarrassingly old, so this is in the fairly early days of, um, of kind of internet startups. Um, I was working with some friends out of university and we built a web marketplace to encourage the adoption of clean technologies and it was built in uh, classic ASP and then .NET uh, after that. Uh, so I gradually kind of picked up enough to be able to turn a website around. And suddenly realized that building static HTML pages was a bit of a rubbish way of doing it. So I looked for a content management solution, tried installing Drupal, tried installing Joomla, did manage to install WordPress, and um, yeah, never looked back.
3: All right, good deal. I think you're the first guest to say uh, you kind of started in the classic ASP arena. So I guess you get the prize for that one. Um, But I was...
4: Okay. I wasn't the developer. I was just doing uh, the, the kind of front-endy stuff
3: around it. But yeah. Oh, gotcha. So, real quickly, could for those that don't know, I know Pragmatic has quite the reputation. But could you let us quickly know what Pragmatic does?
4: You're too kind. Uh, yes, thank you. So we're a a digital agency based in Brighton, which is on the south coast here in the UK, pretty close to London, and we provide consultancy, creative, and technical services. All aimed at providing business, uh, business value, business solutions, primarily to um, enterprise scale customers, but also uh, quite a wide wide range. But yeah, we we use WordPress for pretty much every project we do.
3: Good deal. And I know you know I've had the pleasure to get to know you over the years, and you know talk about some of this edgy tech stuff that's on the horizon. And you know, I think for me, I just got done rounding all the corners on my buttons for Web 2.0 but uh, just kind of curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Uh, so now now we got Web3, and I think, you know, I kind of described a little bit about it there in the intro, but um, maybe you could help us understand, like, what you think about, like, what is Web3?
4: Right, thank you. And I want to, like, hold hold my hands up straight away and say, this is my personal take on what Web3 is. It's not, like, it's been used a few times. You speak to some people we've been through Web3, other Other people see Web3 as like the fully decentralized internet. I think of it like this. Um, Web1 was you go to your desktop computer, you do a bit of Googling, you find some search results, you print them out, and you take them with you. Web2, you know, it's the iPhone, it's Facebook, it's Twitter and Foursquare. And the kind of edge of that is stuff like Airbnb and Uber. But it's really that kind of social computer on you paradigm. I think Web3, for me, is about the internet and the web outside of a screen. So it's in, in our kind of ambient realities, whether that's through voice voicebots, whether it's through things like smart mirrors, whether it's um, through AR, but it's like the web outside of the computers. It's kind of in our, in our day-to-day ambient existence.
3: That makes sense. I I like the idea of a smart mirror. Maybe it would make me better looking, but uh, I'm kind of curious. So this is, you mentioned it kind of like as this ambient technology, I think, you know, things like AR kind of invoke that. Um, This sounds, you know, like an episode of Black Mirror or something. How are brands using Web3 to be successful today?
4: Yeah, there there are definitely elements of Black Mirror um, that run throughout some of this. I mean, personally, I like this speaks to our mission if i can just divert sort of super quickly i think technology is pretty agnostic you know it, it, it just is how we use it you know do we use it to create dystopia or utopia is um is up to us as people and that's our mission is to make sure that we're creating a better future um by working with our clients so yeah it's um and there are examples of both types of topia happening with brands i guess you can see you know there are some Plenty of examples of some pretty creepy uh, ad tech stuff, you know, people getting served pregnancy testing kits or baby clothes before they know that they're pregnant or, you know, kind of big secrets being given away by these uh, creepy ads being followed around. In fact, I was at an event yesterday and a lady said, I'm super weirded out. I've started getting targeted adverts uh, at me for curly hair products but I've never uploaded a photo of myself to Instagram. You know, how, how, how can that be? And, um,
3: Oh, wow. So that, that, yeah, yeah it's an experience.
4: Yeah. And it, Amy Webb from the Future Trends Institute, uh, or Future Technology Institute. Sorry. She, she said, she says, you know, every one of us is generating five to 600 minor data points constantly. And so that, information is available. I mean, that's why services like Facebook and Amazon and Google could be so good because they they can understand all that stuff about us. And so I think they do a very, generally a very good job of staying just the right side of creepy so that we don't all get wigged out. I think they could be a lot more targeted if uh, if they wanted to. Um, On the other hand, you see some really lovely examples of technology being used to mitigate the biases that we have as kind of biological creatures. So an example of this is the Financial Times have a bot and it augments the editorial experience by flagging where there could be uh, like a gender bias being introduced into a story. So that's for me where I see sort of hope and excitement about technology is where it helps us be better people.
3: You know, it's funny you mentioned that. We use a similar technology when writing our job descriptions to help eliminate gender bias from the job description. Um, And that's interesting to think about that as positive effects from a society perspective.
4: Yeah, so I I love those examples. I think we're we're at a really pivotal point, actually, with our kind of relationship with, with the web, with data, with ad tech um and the next I think the next couple of years are going to be if not revolutionary then kind of major bound evolutionary as to how the big tech companies uh, change their role uh, in in that whole in that whole space um,
3: yeah, that's, uh, I think it's really interesting the opportunities. Um, and I think as you pointed out that, that notion of like, where, what, if you're using this information, if you're using these experiences, how do you do that in a way that stays on this side of creepy? It reminds me of the robotics principle of the uncanny Valley. The the closer a robot looks to a human, but not as a human, the weirder it is to interact with it, um, is basically the gist of it. And so you can start to see that start to, uh, you know, expose itself, or that principle exposes itself in the experiences we provide on the web or in digital. And the the, the creepier we are, uh, the more uncomfortable that can make people. However. Um, There's great, uh, to kind of quote the the Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility, but also great opportunity uh, to do something positive. I want to touch on this a little bit more, especially around WordPress, uh, but we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
2: Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment.
5: The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries into the 2019 international web award competition sign up now at www.webaward.org web award winners receive an image plaque certificate of achievement higher visibility for your company valuable feedback from our expert judges and links to your site from the highly ranked web Awards site and winners go to well you'll have to see for yourself you can't win if you don't enter deadline for entries is May 31st, 2019. Go to webaward.org and sign up today. It passes before
1: it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose.
5: All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. Charlotte.
3: You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how they're performing.
5: Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim. Okay. Let us help you grow your business. Bailey.
3: So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule.
5: Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim. You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim! Sorry.
3: Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous.
5: Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, huh, now you have me making puns. Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the
2: curtain on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com. Let's press forward with more Press This, only on webmasterradio.fm.
3: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I'm interviewing David Locke with Pragmatic about Web3 and WordPress, the future of digital. David, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about the dystopian side of Web3, creating experiences that might be on the wrong side of creepy you talked a little bit about some of the positive things brands were doing, um, particularly I think it was the Financial Times and helping to elim- eliminate gender bias in their content. Just curious if you have any other favorite examples of brands that do a good job with Web three technologies, other than the Lego guy that like runs through Lego Land and shows you which way to go. Uh, I think right. those examples are always fun. The little AR Lego guy that follows you around. I know you were showing me that at WordCamp EU. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
4: Well, uh, I'm I'm struggling to think of like a, a brand, but I, I can think of plenty of kind of stuff I've seen on Twitter, which I guess is uh,
3: sure. And I think maybe that's maybe kind that's of the it. point, this, right? This I is the, best. right. This is the edge, and so often as a brand, and I think that's really the kind of point of us discussing this today, is like these things are there or on the horizon but really kind of fundamentally like are there opportunities today and things that people can do to prepare in the future. Um, And I think that's also something I kind of like to get to the bottom of, Um, but maybe another way to think about it is what uh, technologies have you seen in WordPress plugins or otherwise that might be leveraging web three today?
4: So I think I'd actually like to talk about Gutenberg and how I see that sort of pivotal path web three, if that's okay. So by taking a website and break it down into its more atomic logical blocks so here's a product thing or here's a quote or a video and kind of ignoring everything else that is around it on a on a web page we can say we can imagine how that might appear in a like in a chatbot window here's the product that I found for you and attached to that block of content is not only the visible content you know they the photo the description the url the title perhaps the price but also a bunch of other metadata that a bot would need in order to be able to surface that um that piece of content for you in a kind of hyper personalized way so is this product you know what's the availability what's the stock what's the fit uh what's the social graph around you know popularity within your social group um which are the brands that are trying to interact with you or that you've shown interest with. So there's a, you know, that out of that five or 600 data points, there are going to be lots of factors, which at the moment we have to bear the cognitive load of applying to a web page in order to find what it is that we're looking for. And I'm here's an example of kind of utopia is like, I don't have to think about which is going to be the best pair of genes for me because actually it's, I think it's vain to think that, only our human brain could possibly come up with like, you know, you know, we're so individualistic and, you know, our taste is so unique in reality. It's, you know, our brain's just a very good computer. And I think bots are going to get better and better at serving us, uh, ever more effective personal recommendations. But so without that atomic nature of Gutenberg, without the ability to embed usage rights, prices, automatic, uh, smart contracts to, you know for that content to be reused stuff like um, the signed exchanges um, tech that Google's rolled out recently that lets the same piece of content kind of portal through unlimited websites and still be the same content some of their frame stuff where you'll be able to actually complete a, an e-commerce journey within a, the, the frame um, all of that speaks to the importance of content at a granular level and the experience being a synthesis of that content. Um, at the moment it's really a synthesis into a page but in the future. I think we're going to be able to get that content out of WordPress in far more structured and in interesting kind of programmatic ways, and then be able to re-synthesize that in uh, super interesting ways as well. I and of course, really, we, I
3: was going to say I think that's really interesting. You bring that up, you know, I think, Thinking about Gutenberg and that kind of componentized, if that's a word, uh, approach to content um, and thinking about that as preparing for the future. And I know there's been a lot of debate around the, role of Gutenberg blocks it with content and data. Um, but, but in general, this modularized approach and thinking about like well, how might that express itself in personalization, how might that express itself in things like maybe even a R and thinking about the decisions you make today and how that might affect the experiences you provide in the future. Um, that's interesting versus like, okay, I'm going to get this AR tech right now and it's going to be helpful for me and my brand might not be the right call. But there are things and principles today you can adopt that might set you up for success. It reminds me a little <laughs> bit of your schema update and the kind of categorization of content in that way. Um, but go ahead, David, sorry.
4: Yeah, no, no. I'd, I was, I was going to kind of agree with you. That the steps towards that future, you know, we can see that they're already there in WordPress, right? You know, the, the rich schema markup will extend to be kind of automatically applied at a block level by cognitive services. So, for example, a, you know, there'll be a plugin that connects to Azure and it uses a visual um, cognitive service to break out the entities that are recognized within that and attach that as structured machine data so that my personal shopping bot can query your site and go, hey, my, you know, I'm a smart mirror, Uh, here's what I'm looking for, can you display any of the content that you're managing in a format that is suitable for you know, a, a 4D experience with this viewport, right? So that the the level at which uh, machines are going to interrogate each other for our purpose, I think is going to go up. So I kind of hope that we're approaching peak tech cognitive load on humans and that sort of the idea at the moment of it's always just a human interacting with a bot and the bot, belongs to the you know the corporation or the organization it's always kind of like an adversarial bot, even if it's being very helpful it's like you know it's representing those foreign interests I think something that I really hope to see and see kind of no logical reason why it won't be a thing is that we'll have these like personal bots who all go out and do you know they'll, they'll just go away and chat right and they'll filter a bunch of this stuff down to us so that Actually, we don't need to worry about so much. People don't need to write explicit meta descriptions or provide explicit accessibility information outside of what uh, a smart algorithm like smart machine learning can do as a baseline compared to to nothing, right? So we're going to see that, uh, that machine intelligence can be applied on both sides. And one of my favorite quotes in the WordPress space is from Jason Cohen, obviously WP Engine's founder, WordPress can be used to attack the unknown. And we don't know what that future looks like, what that entourage effect of all these technologies looks like, but we can see how something that's in use today, we can imagine applying some cognitive services, we can imagine a robotic um, journalist doing basic sports or financial reporting to start drafting some of these articles. So we can see what a uh, a roadmap might look to to the point where you know we're uploading three D, um, you know, yeah, 3D of- CAD diagrams or yeah, visualizations, whatever it is. As that stuff comes online, it all kind of folds on top of that robust foundation of sure. content thought about logically.
3: Lots of opportunity there. I do certainly like the notion of, you know, schema organizing information to prepare yourself for these future states. I think that's something I carry a lot with me. Also, the notion of you know analytics and recording what success is to inform future efforts, and even things like how you might apply things like machine learning or artificial intelligence. But uh, these are certainly fun things to talk about, but um, also to think about. Like, well, what can I be doing today to set myself? up for success for the future i want to dive into some of the um social implications of this because we're talking a lot about data people are very sensitive to that but everybody hang tight and we'll be right back
2: time to plug into a
5: commercial break stay tuned for more press this in just a moment. What if you had access to analytics from the most visited sites on the web? Think about real-time sales and signups from Amazon and Netflix, stats and engagement from Slack and HubSpot, all on one patented platform. That's Nacho Analytics. Nacho is perfect for details on your product design and development, instant for influencer info, and fantastic for real-time financial figures. Level the playing field today for your business with Nacho. What are you doing? All this nacho talk got me hungry. Level the playing field today for your business with nachoanalytics.com. Seriously? Or
1: and authority on search vendors. Let's press
2: forward with more. Press this only on Webmaster Radio. FM.
3: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I'm interviewing David Locke with Pragmatic about Web3 technologies. David, right before the break, we were talking about how people might prepare for the future. They're not quite ready to adopt AR, AI, things like that. What could they be doing within WordPress today? Um, But there's social implications to all this. All of those things we talked about rely on personal data. We need to know who someone is, uh, where they came from, what they looked at, what they liked. Um, Maybe we're building a bot that interacts with them on a personal level. Um, But society seems to be pulling back from providing that data, seems to be more guarded on that. Um, how do these two forces reconcile? Because there's great good that can be done, um, but you know there's also great harm. Uh, how do you feel like these forces reconcile?
4: Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. Um, I think having been in Austin for South by Southwest this year, um, home to WP Engine HQ, of course, it was a topic that ran through every discussion that I heard. I think, but there are and part of it's going to be about society's willingness to accept change you know what does privacy mean for a gen x uh, compared to a a baby boomer they're very different things so you know people's expectations are, are changing you know their kind of willingness to negotiate on on things i think is sort of changing but there are also emerging technology solutions that can help with some of this stuff so ways that we don't like being collected and used is when it's all behind a uh, like a corporate firewall we don't have access to it really right we can download it but you know it's not it's not something that we feel is ours anymore it feels like there's data about us that's been taken and stored somewhere else and so people don't like the idea that data their data data about them is being held by a corporation and used to manipulate them Blockchain, you knew that word was going to come up, David. I know, but blockchain, I think, offers a solution here. And in fact, if you think about it, it's also directly in the interests of people who hold lots of data not to have that responsibility. At the moment, they they hold it because they have to, because that's their business model. But I think reading the Libra white paper, so this is Facebook's cryptocurrency and blockchain project, there's some signs in there that they're actually taking all the stuff that's challenging around data and ad tech, taking all the stuff that's challenging around cryptocurrency and flipping the model on its head. So I think we're going to see identity and kind of currently data kind of uh, collectors and harvesters change their role to being identity managers and custodians. So they will help you collect data about what you're doing they'll store it on a blockchain to which you ultimately hold the private keys and you will uh, they will help you manage those private keys. So they will provide people with simple ways to access the content that's on the blockchain. Uh, and so they're going to divest themselves of that risk, right? So all that data that they hold, which is one massive big honeypot for uh, cyber attack, it's a massive kind of regulatory risk. They could get broken up, they could be told they're too powerful, all that stuff. I think they're just going to push that out to a blockchain which is managed by you know it's governed by an association with lots of sort of founding consortium members they're still gonna get access to that and that will be the trade for um, managing the identity managing the keys helping you kind of collect and manage the data which most people are like, frankly not sophisticated enough to even think about that alone do but it need to divest some themselves at that risk. And I also think they're going to do something very clever around uh, there's been talk of kind of paid social platforms where you don't get bombarded with ads and you know what's the likelihood that people are going to do that? I think we're going to see them turn that model on its head as well and instead they're going to pay consumers to ingest ads. So by implementing this cryptocurrency, they're going to be able to use that user's data uh, with their permission, but they're also then going to to be able to advertise them, advertise to that user in a much higher quality way because they'll be essentially incentivizing the user, paying the user to uh, interact with those ads. So, you know, the more ads you watch, the more you get paid. And there are a couple of startups that are doing this at the moment. And actually, from talking to people in that space, you end up with a much higher quality engagement when people are opting in. I want to give you this data because... I I want to get better recommendations. Once people feel like they've made a positive choice about it and that you've addressed some of those concerns, actually you can have a far more healthy relationship between advertiser and individual. And just one one thing actually that came out of uh, an event we put on yesterday was this idea of there was a talk by a guy from Culture Trip He was talking about how they treat their content as content products. And that juxtaposition just brought it into sharp relief for me that in the future, the content is going to be the product. The product is going to be the content in a very real way. So as we look at a piece of content, there'll be a smart contract and a value attached to you know, a video or a piece of music or a piece of text. That's a
3: very uh, interesting way to look at that. You know, I think for me, thinking about the points you just made relative to kind of your identity being owned by you versus owned by a company, Um, helping to remove that risk for the company that needs to manage that identity as a way to kind of bridge this gap makes all the sense in the world. I think um, thinking about it in terms of the value being provided to the end user, whether that be paying them or um, delivering an experience in exchange for that, share of information um, also is interesting. Um, I think uh, it's going to be fun, especially for site owners as they think about data management, personal information management, and then think about the future, um, how those things will manifest. But David, this has been super interesting. Thank you so much for joining us today.
4: No worries. You know that you and I can talk for hours. so um, We yeah, can. We'll have
3: you back another time, and you and I will nerd out at the next WordCamp for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, but
4: looking like forward to, to
3: it. Yeah, absolutely. If you'd like <laughs> to learn more about what David's up to, check out pragmatic.agency. Next week's episode is going to be Word Around the Campfire. We're going to do a WordCamp EU update. And I'd like to thank everyone for listening to Press This, the WordPress Community Podcast on Webmaster Radio. Again, this has been your host, David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This.